When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Low Tallest, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, and then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. The Star Wars universe is constantly expanding. But how the heck are you going to keep tabs on it without a holocron? And where in the rim can I score the juiciest news and rumors? Ah, you seek State of the Empire, Consequence of Sound's Star Wars Speculation Podcast, where we look for news in Alderaan places. We dig into the Sarlacc pit of the internet for the hottest intel in the galaxy far, far away. Make Indiana Jones inquiries and keep watch for the latest on Willow. Find us on consequenceofsound.net or wherever you procure fine podcasts. It's the show you're looking for. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with. It's an audio interview series presented by WFPK Independent Louisville at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. Take a moment before we get started to uh, hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening from today. We put out multiple interviews every single week. Would love to keep you up to date, whether you're listening on YouTube, on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts from. I'm Kyle Meredith. Today, my guest is Sharon Van Etten. She is back. She is finally back with a brand new record called Remind Me Tomorrow, and it is an instant favorite for me. I am in love with this album. Sharon and I are going to retrace the steps of uh, what she's been doing over the past few years. That includes being a new parent, uh, going to grad school. Starring in Netflix's The OA and cameos in Twin Peaks. There's also some relations to those shows when it comes to the new record, and we'll tie all of that together, as well as talk about some of the songs like Comeback Kid, Jupiter 4, and 17. It's Kyle Meredith with Sharon Van Etten. Hello. Excited to talk to you about the new record. Congratulations on uh, on Remind Me Tomorrow. Uh, thanks so much. I appreciate that. It's I'm a, really proud of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, it sounds great. I mean, I, I think I, I replied to your management and my exact words were, this album is fucking incredible. Uh, it's just <laughs> incredible. 
I, I sort of went back to one of the last times we talked, which was, of course, a few years ago at this point. Uh, you had said around that point, like you knew that you were going to go away for a little while and, and that you were you know, taking time off on purpose. Did you already know everything that was sort of in store? Did you know what you wanted to do in, in between there? Because you've done a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I set my sight on one star at that time. I knew that I wanted to go back to school and, and pursue psychology. And I, I knew that was going to be a long pass. And I didn't know when or if I would come back to music in the public eye. And that was as far as I had thought ahead. And thank goodness I work with people that were supportive of me in, in trying to take a break and also live in New York and experience in New York. I feel like I've worked so hard the last 10 years to develop a career for myself that I haven't been home to appreciate New York. <laughs> so I got I got to uh, have some roots and develop my relationship and my family. And I'm in my second year of school now and all those other things <laughs> that happen in the meantime. I feel like just the universe heard that I was going to be home for a while and knocked on my door. <laughs> you, know, you said you had encouragement, you know, I mean, to return to music. Were you actually considering that maybe there is a moment where you wouldn't be returning to music? Well, I think I just questioned what music meant to me and, and what role it was playing in my life. I I know that I... I write music for myself, and it's a form of therapy, and I think one of the reasons why I stopped touring was that it was toying with my head a little bit in that I was sharing these intimate moments of finding myself and getting into a better headspace, and, and that my career ended up depending on these moments of, of hardship and meeting fans and connecting with fans and hearing stories about how they connected to these songs that are really therapy for me ended up making me second guessing how you know my music and if it was selfish if I was basing my career off therapy and and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to pursue school but then also I realized that all the things that I was writing about were you know generally speaking based on relationships that I I couldn't pursue fully because I was touring so much and and, and I'm simplifying it but by focusing on my career I, I I didn't really focus on my relationships enough and so it's kind of like this broken record and I knew that music would always be a therapy for me personally but I started feeling guilty about sharing those moments yeah. So I felt like if I was going to return to music, it better be from a different perspective. I mean, that's a a, a little bit of, of the joke here because, uh, you know, songwriting for most artists is, is therapy in itself. The, the fact that you decided to, to actually literally take that on, you know, as as a backup career, because which is funny to say because you seem very successful right now. And to have that in your back pocket, you know, it's it's almost like you're thinking like one day maybe this does go away. Well, I feel like long term, it's good to think about those things. I feel like, you know, nearing 40, it's good to, to think about the long term. And if I see myself in a van at 50, and I know that I'm not going to school full time. So I'm fitting in every like a little bit of everything while I dip my toes in, in this world. And I think that it's something that I'd like to do when I want to be still for a while. And after I've lived 
a pretty good life and have perspective from a lot of angles and a lot of life experience when I'm ready to slow down and enjoy my family even more. And, you know, we should hit on that a little bit. I mean, parenthood is a new big part of your life as well in in these few years. I mean, that's a big change for some folks, you know, not so much for other folks. I don't know how much it's been for you. I mean, it's still, you're still in your first couple years, right? Yeah, yeah, he's not even two. But I feel like, you know, you just learn how to prioritize more, and I feel like we just try to squeeze in more. And, yeah, I mean, our our joke was uh, baby's got to learn how to roll (laughs) because we have a lot going on, and and that's mostly true. Uh, I I want him to have, you know, he'll never have a normal life with what we do, and I'm not going to try to pretend that he will, but I, I, I would like for him to have a little bit of consistency and also just see his mom and dad work and see us both learn how to figure it out together as as he gets older. I mean, it, it won't be the same all the time, but as long as he sees us trying to figure it out so we can both feel like we're thriving. Yeah, lead by example. That's that's the way I try to parent as well. It's you know in, in a sort of, as as best you can anyway. You know it's right. <laughs> yeah, totally. yeah. I'm sure I've I've had plenty of trips already, and I'm sure I'll have I'll have some more mistakes. But you know it's good for the, for them to see that too. Yeah, and I'll use the other big news here in the uh, in in the middle years uh, to lead into this record too, because acting was also a big part of this. We're talking. Uh, the OA on Netflix and Twin Peaks as well, <laughs> which you know, considering the other uh, you know f- film projects that you've been a part of throughout the years, it, there seems to be a feeling, maybe a similarity to what you're attracted to. Uh, I mean, I love all of these things. I loved your work in both of them, but we're talking you know dark cinematic you know nature. What attracts you to that, or or was that just coincidence? Well, I think there's always an undercurrent of darkness, you know, especially with what's going on in the world right now. And I just I think that there's always the balance of positive with negative and sun and darkness and and all those types of things. So I think to see the beauty and the heartache and all of it is important in life and, you know, to understand what hope is. So I think I think that's always been interesting to me. Because nothing is perfect and nothing is also all gloom. So I need a little bit of both in my life, I think. <laughs> I mean, I, I, re- I read a quote, maybe it was the uh, Rolling Stone interview, but you'd said, uh, you know, this record is sort of about how happy you are and how fucked up the world is. And that's that's the juxtaposition right there, right? Yeah, I feel like, yeah, you know, I don't like getting overly political in my music because I just think we are inundated with that every day. But I didn't want to not acknowledge the 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 weight of the world in the context of what I'm going through in my life. It's like, yeah, I have a lot of great things happening, but I don't want anyone to think that I'm not feeling that, you know, that I'm not affected by it and that I'm trying to be positive for my son because, I mean, it's my job to make him feel safe and protected. And yeah, it's more emotional when you think about the context of the world and it's still my job, though, to be positive and to make him feel protected. And that's heavy. I'm not going to make a pop record about being a happy mom. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, there are those, you know, there's well, there's light here and there, you know, within all that uh, dark production. But I'm in a good place. But I, I can't not acknowledge the weight. I'll look to the, the newest single, Jupiter 4. A lot of songs 
put sad lyrics to bright songs, to pop songs. You know, you, you, it's only when you dig under the surface where you realize how sad some of those songs might be. This one actually feels like, unless I've got it wrong, that you do the opposite than that. You, you put <laughs> sort of maybe potentially hopeful, happy lyrics on something much darker. Exactly. <laughs> Welcome to my weird world. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You know, and I think that's what you know. I was maybe I'm hoping, maybe I'm projecting here. But you know, when you look at especially those two shows, the OA and Twin Peaks, these songs, the way they sound, you know, they sound like they could be a soundtrack for something like that. And I didn't know if if you found you know either of those worlds influencing the other in that in that way. I mean, absolutely. You know, I. Because I was I was writing a score at the time for my for Catherine Diekman's film Strange Weather, and I was writing a lot of guitar, and you know it's a very hopeful soundtrack, and she had actually referenced Ry Cooter's soundtrack for Paris, Texas, and I remember thinking it was a really tall order because I, I'm not even that kind of a guitar player, but I was up for the challenge, and whenever I got to a point where I felt like I, I wasn't getting anywhere in what I was writing, I would put down the guitar and I would play anything else. And at the time I was sharing a space with the actor, Michael Sarah, and he had these amazing keyboards hanging around. Um, one was an, an old CX3 organ and the other was a Jupiter four synth. And I remember having no context at all. But I just I wanted to step away from the guitar and just play something that I didn't have any preconceived notions about and mess with it for a while. And I definitely this is around the time I met Michael because he was part of uh, Twin Peaks and he had, was also did a cameo for a film that I opened up for at the premiere of. And so we've had this kind of funny connection without ever ever having met before we got a space together. But it's funny how all those worlds end up intertwining. So as I'm experimenting with the synthesizers, I'm thinking about how we met and how Twin Peaks is so much darker and thinking about the soundtrack for that, for the original score and wanting to wanting to delve in a little more. I think I felt encouraged by the worlds I was suddenly in. I always imagined Michael Sarah would have a keytar hanging around. <laughs> He's actually really into the drums and piano, which which is really, really fun. So he got you know, I, I, I helped him get his drumming on and then he helped me like open up into the synth world, yeah. which I never I never would have guessed. <laughs> I love how it sounds on this. I mean of course we hear it on the first single Comeback Kid. Which is a great first single. It probably doesn't mean what we think, but you know, when you're talking about, oh, I've been gone for a few years, that's that's a hell of a title right there. <laughs> yeah, it's a publicist's dream. Let me tell you. <laughs> um, but no, it is. It, it was funny because it, you know, that song is really about you know when you when you're returning home and that funny feeling of you know no matter how old you are, no matter how much you've accomplished, you're always going to be the kid coming back mm -hmm. home. And you're going to be in your room. And you're going to be surrounded by all these memories that you've been fighting all these years a little bit, maybe. And you're going to like, I'll meet up with my siblings again. And I turn into that little child again. And those stories that never lived down and the mistakes that I made that will always be a part of our family hangs and going to local spots and running into kids you hadn't seen since high school. Some that are just visiting because of holidays, some that never left and like all those emotions that come with that. So 
that kind of feeling. I feel like everyone has a little bit of that when they when they go back to their hometown. Uh, you you brought back a lot of memories for me that I do. I try to just kind of push back in that box and be like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a bit of coming and going with what you talk about right there. And, and you know, when you get to the end of the record, I think one of the last words you, you actually say is the word stay. And, and you know, when Come Back Kid, I mean, you're talking about, you know, she's a runaway and all that. And I, I don't know if, the, if there was a relation there between, between that. So Come Back Kid, the way I wrote it, it's like a dialogue back and forth between, you know, I, I'm still figuring out if it's different selves or other people. And I, I kind of like kind of blurring those lines a little bit. And then for Stay, I literally wrote the lyrics with headphones on for an early demo, staring at my son while he was sleeping. You know, that song originally started out as a love song to my partner before I ever got pregnant. And then as I pursued school, I was pregnant in school, and then I had my child. And then when I had my child, my times of creativity were quiet, like with headphones on to try not to wake him up. So I would write lyrics staring at my son with headphones on. So all the early demos that I had that started out as love songs to my partner ended up becoming very complex ideas about this new kind of love that I'm discovering and wanting all these things for my son and wanting the best for him and just letting him know that no matter what, I'm not going anywhere, no matter what I'm doing in my life. So they're, they're complicated feelings that I, I feel like I'm only obviously just beginning. Oh, but it, it comes out so beautifully. And like I said, there's so many great moments. And I'll hit one more, too. Uh, with 17, which is a very powerful song in itself, are you talking to your younger self there? <laughs> Again, like the blurring of the lines, because when I when I wrote that song, I had started it with just very vague verses and choruses, and the choruses were like the main thing that I had set in stone. And it was this feeling that I got while walking in, in a neighborhood that I felt like I used to know that it changed so much and these new places popped up. And, and I, I had this comforting, but also kind of the duality of being comforted that I've lived somewhere long enough to see that kind of change, but then being a bit troubled by it because, you know, all my favorite places are closing and changing and I'm seeing kids that are younger than me moving into neighborhoods that I can't afford anymore and like those types of feelings. And I didn't finish writing the song and it was around the time where I was trying to experiment with co-writing with other people and helping songwriters find their voice while also challenging myself to write in new ways. And, I brought in the songwriter, Kate Davis, into the studio and I shared with her this song and said, I have something in my head that I already know what the story is, but I would like to know your perspective. You know, you're younger than me. You might feel differently about this. And and she helped me finish the verses. And when we finished writing the song, I made her sing to the instrumentation I already had recorded, which was like, originally it sounded like a Lucinda Williams dirgy ballad. And, um, her performance on that ended up changing the way that I sang it. But then I also was like, I was emotional watching her perform the song because it was like looking at a younger self when I was bright-eyed, bushy-tailed New York feeling. So it added this whole other level of, am I talking to a younger kid moving into my old neighborhood or am I, am I reflecting on who I used to be and where I am now? And you know, I'm still I'm still asking myself those questions. <laughs> uh, no, it's it's one of my favorites. It's one of my favorite moments on the record. And like I said, there are tons of them. I mean, I mean, Memorial Day is also pretty damn infectious, and and I could keep going on and on. 
throughout Aww. all of this. But uh, but you've really outdone yourself, Sharon. You really have. Oh, well, thanks so much, Kyle. I appreciate that. Yeah. It is always a pleasure to talk to you again. Congratulations on this. And, uh, and hopefully, you know, uh, I'll be able to catch a few shows out on the road this tour. All right. Yeah, well, please reach out and uh, don't be shy if you're there. I'd love to see you. All right. Sounds good. Uh, take care and, uh, and we'll see you around. All right. You too. Happy holidays. You too. Bye. <laughs> Bye. A big thanks to Sharon Van Etten for the call right there. Again, the new record is called Remind Me Tomorrow. And if you haven't already, please do hit the subscribe button. Like I said, multiple interviews come out every single week. Would love to keep you up to date on all of those, whether you're listening on YouTube, on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts from. After that, you can head over to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show every Monday through Thursday from noon to 3 Eastern. You can also find some bonus episodes of this series. You can also hit me up on Twitter at Kyle Meredith or Facebook slash Kyle Meredith. And that's me. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.